Well, as you know, on the Sunday mornings through August, if you've been here, we've been looking at these uh, four psalms, 65 through 68, uh, beautiful songs of praise to God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will yet do. And each in each of these psalms, there is a praise to God for his being a God of salvation. We reflect on that. And there's also the theme running through these psalms of his provision of harvest. Perhaps it's appropriate being at this time of year as we drive around the countryside and we see the farmers gathering in their crops. That's a theme in these psalms as well. Now, two weeks ago, Richard began looking at Psalm 65 and we thought about the psalmist uh, there directing our thoughts to knowing God knowing God in three ways, in his creation, being thankful for the harvest, uh, in his great deeds of salvation, and in his house, in, in, in the temple. And last week, if you were here, Nick was looking at Psalm 66, and we saw how the, the psalmist began with a, a very fulsome song of praise to God for his greatness and deeds uh, throughout the whole world. And then he was focusing down on on, a, on God's goodness and salvation to a nation, to, to the children of Israel, in their deliverance from Egypt, and then finally focusing down on an individual, the individual psalmist, who was praising God for what he had done for him. <clears throat> well, today we come to Psalm 67. Uh, in my ESV Bible, it's headed up, make your face shine upon us. <clears throat> It's a song that addresses God's blessing uh, and it's got some of the most beautiful words in, in scripture I think in, its, in that its opening words draw on the words from the blessing that uh, was given for Aaron to speak over the Israelites. Now for those of you who like the technicalities of, of, the, of the poetry this is a, a simple uh, chiastic uh, shaped psalm. It begins in verses 1 and 2, on the subject of blessing. It has a little refrain, uh, calling upon the peoples of the world to praise God. It then looks at the, the joy of, uh, of knowing God, university ruling and reigning in this world. And then it focuses back on that refrain, people's praising God, and then it returns at the end of the psalm, the last two verses, with the subject of blessing again. You see how it it sort of flows away and comes back to where it started. But I'm not going to look at the psalm this morning under that, uh, that uh, breakdown of five sections there. <clears throat> I'm going to look at five other headings. And the first being, um, it's a blessing desired. Um, I've used some images on these slides such to help us um, associate... Uh, what we're thinking about, uh, keep it in our minds. Uh, that's a painting of uh, Jacob wrestling with God. You remember that story? And uh, Jacob says to God, I will not go except you bless me. A blessing desired. And this is what we have in verse 1 of this psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. This is not just a, a trivial blessing from any old Tom, Dick or Harry that we're, we're seeking. It's not a, a bless you in response to a, 
a sneeze and that had its origins back at the time of the bubonic plague when uh, people said bless you as a kind of prayer that they wouldn't uh, catch, catch the plague. It's not uh, a simple, well, you know, you have my blessing from a kindly friend or relative, an expression of goodwill uh, regarding some decision we've taken, but it's a blessing we desire from God himself. And the psalmist invokes this blessing from God based on the words of the blessing that God himself had given to Aaron through Moses. Let me remind you of what that that was in its entirety. This is what we read in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. What uh, beautiful words of encouragement and comfort they are. Have we not often spoken them ourselves to in churches uh, as, as benedictions, those of us perhaps who lead services, or we've written them in notes and cards to one another by way of uh, encouragement. I knew of someone some years ago who went through a period of terrible night terrors and uncontrollable shaking and their spouse wrote those words on a card and it was kept in that person's drawer and looked at uh, each night before they turned out the light. Words of comfort and solace and peace, knowing that God would watch over and be gracious. But here the psalmist's song only picks up on the first part of the blessing. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And the psalmist adds there, Selah, that pause, that let's stop, let's reflect on what these words are. And well might we stop and pause here. The graciousness of God himself, his undeserved favour and kindness to us. May God bless us. What's actually at the heart of those words, God bless us? We speak them often. Um, We say them to one another, we mention them in our prayers. But what are we expecting from God? What does his blessing actually mean for us? Well, perhaps simply put, it's that we're asking God to work out everything for our good, material, physical, spiritual, and thereby uh, for his own glory. Perhaps it's, uh, we're asking God that what he's already done for us, he will continue to do for us. Well, I think it does embrace those things. But let it be said that blessing, the blessing from God does not equate to health and wealth. We sang this morning already in that lovely hymn, All I have needed, your hand has provided, not all that I wanted. We desire God's adequate provision for ourselves and for all peoples of the earth. Nothing more, nothing less. And then the psalmist goes on to say, may God bless us, may he make his face shine on us. 
Perhaps we've all known a friend or relative whose kindness and love manifests itself in their very countenance, their smile, those smiling eyes. Uh, We see and understand that they want nothing but good for us. But this is God himself that we're speaking about here, not some uh, avuncular person. We're asking God to smile on us. If only we could look into God's face. But that day is going to come. But for now it's by faith that we see God's face radiating love and desire for our well-being in every situation of life. Whether that's a good place, humanly speaking, or a difficult one. You see, if we are Christians here this morning and we're exercising faith in God, a God who's sovereign over everything, we can know God smiling upon us in the most difficult of circumstances. And when we're struggling to make ends meet, or during all manner of illnesses, physical and mental, he is the one who is gracious to us. He's the one who gives us grace sufficient for each day for each day's joys and sorrows. We sang, didn't we? Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine, 10,000 besides. God is always looking at us. There is no shadow of turning with him. Surely what the psalmist has expressed here is something to be desired by us uh, on our waking every day of our lives. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. But then, secondly, it is a blessing with purpose that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. The psalmist desires a blessing that God's ways may be known. What are some of those ways? Well, the harvest is one, the earth yielding its crops is most certainly one that springs to mind. Uh, This time of year we looked back two weeks ago in Psalm 65, we read these words, you visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it, you crown the year with your bounty. Remind ourselves, don't we, this time of year of God's great promise that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. I wonder, do you ever stop to think about um, the fact that what God is doing for you is a testimony to the people about you of his power, of his kindness, of his love, of his provision for you? As you benefit from his daily blessings, Do you openly acknowledge to your friends, your work colleagues, your family, that you attribute the sustaining of your life to the God of heaven? That you believe that the events that are happening in your life are part of God's divine purpose for you, that they are encompassed in this all things working together uh, for good to those who love God, uh, to those who are called according to his purpose. God at work in our lives as individuals. God at work in our church as a group of God's people together. They're not just blessings for our benefit, 
but they are blessings so that he, God himself, may be known on the earth so that people who don't know God will see his works and acknowledge him. That your ways may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. God's intervention for groups of people, uh, it's even for nations, entire nations, this shows how awesome his deeds are. We read that earlier, didn't we? His saving power. Look back in history, uh, particularly with the psalmist's eyes. Remember the time, uh, the time of history that the psalmist here is writing. He would have been looking back and seeing where God saved in times of famine, where he delivered nations from oppressive kings. He would have been thinking about Israel's history. He would have been praising God for his salvation in those ways. But beyond the temporal, his saving power for all eternity is made known. And I believe the psalmist is looking beyond the immediate of the harvest, beyond the history of his nation. He's looking beyond that. And he's looking to the grander theme of the coming gospel harvest. When men and women and boys and girls will hear the good news of God's salvation will hear about the cross of Jesus. And they will believe that that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection three days later saves them from the punishment due for their sins. It gives them eternal life. God's saving power is being made known and will be made known in all nations of the world and none will be excluded. Remember Jesus' own words to his disciples shortly before he ascended. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Well, if you're here this morning and you're one of God's children, you know the saving power of God in your life then you are, indeed, we are truly blessed by God. But if not, then I say to you, seek him and ask him to be gracious to you. Ask that his saving power would change you, that you might repent of your sins and know his forgiveness. What I want to say to us this morning as a a church, Bethel Church, is this our burning desire? Is this our fervent prayer? that God would so bless us as his people, he'd so make his face shine upon us, that his saving power would be made known in Otley and Elkley and Menston and Geisley and and the surrounding villages. Is that our desire and prayer today? And then, thirdly, it is a blessing that brings gladness and joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Blessing doesn't just come to us from God as individuals, it does come to us as a group of people, as citizens of a nation and there is blessing 
for God's people as a consequence of God's judgments and guidance in the world. We read that God will judge with equity. God is a God of justice. We sang last week, if you were here, that lovely hymn, King of the Universe, Lord of the Ages. And one of the verses there refers to God being a sword-bearing deity, a punisher of evil, a judge of the nations. Yes, God is that judge, but he judges justly and fairly. Now I'd say even more than that, he judges in ways that we don't deserve because he does not treat us as our sins deserve. He has effected our salvation through the death of his son Jesus. So yes, God is a God of justice. And let me say that whilst there are those here today who will be able to face that judge on a final day of judgment and stand perfect because of what Jesus has done for them, there is on that judgment day going to be a time of judgment and punishment for those who do not know God. And so I say to anyone today who isn't trusting in Jesus, look to him today while it is still today before that day comes when he will judge the world and he will be not only a, a just and fair deliverer but he will be a just punisher of evil. And then we are to be glad because God guides the nations. Again in that lovely hymn, King of the Universe, we speak and sing of him being Lord of the nations. When God guides, it is for the protection and control of his people. Sometimes we personalise that and we sing that lovely hymn, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. But God has guided and protected whole nations. There have been times in history, in times of trouble, when kings, ancient and modern, have called upon God, have called upon their subjects to pray to God for deliverance. And God has answered those prayers. Reminded, aren't we, in Scripture, the way of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he guides it wherever he wills. God is the supreme judge. He is the supreme ruler. He's far above all earthly judges and monarchs. And there is great comfort and joy when you acknowledge this. And we have no need to fear the future. We can ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, because his work is perfect and all his ways are just. So, says the psalmist, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And it is a blessing to invoke uh, a global, to inspire global praise. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all peoples praise you. Twice in this psalm, the psalmist expresses this desire <coughs> that all peoples might praise God. And I say to you this morning, if you're a Christian, isn't that a longing in your heart 
that men and women all around the globe would acknowledge God for who he is, for what he's done, what he's doing and what he will yet do and praise him. Now, to an extent, this is true. Men and women the world over are coming to faith in Jesus and today, on this Sunday, all around the world, there are groups of people praising God. But don't we sometimes feel something of a, of a psalmist's lament in Psalm 107? It's a, a psalm entitled, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. And there he, the psalmist reflects on Israel's history and he observes time and again how compassionate and kind God has been um, when after enduring trouble, whether through their own fault or not, uh, the children of Israel have cried out to God. But when the deliverance came, it was soon forgotten uh, and God's saving power was overlooked. And in that psalm, uh, the psalmist, to some extent, laments and he says these words, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. And as we look around our world today, don't we long for that? Because we can see and acknowledge God's goodness in so many ways. And so many do not. And we would that the peoples of the world, all peoples, praised our God. And in our world, as the hymn writer says, where men in their spiritual blindness disown and doubt God, well, we long for men and women to look and see. And I say to anyone this morning, who is doubting God, doubting his very existence. Look about you. Look about the very things in this created world, God's wonderful order. Look at men and women that God has made in his own image and the creative skills that he's given them in his own image. All manner of abilities. Wonder at it and see and praise the God of heaven. And surely when there is a great harvest of souls, then indeed... God's saving power will be made known and there will be a great uh, time of blessing in response to God. It's happened in the past, even in our own nation, great outpouring of the Spirit of God, like Pentecost, great times of revival in past centuries, great resounding praise to God in those days. I pray we might see them again in our own day and generation. And then, finally, a blessing that is assured. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. <clears throat> the psalmist began this song, this song of praise, with the words, May God bless us. It was the desire that he had in his heart. And now it would seem, as he's been singing his song and he's been reflecting on the goodness of God as he's looking, as it says, at the harvest, the earth has yielded its increase. Oh, there's been another, farmers, uh, another harvest. The farmer's sown his seed, watered his crop. God's given the increase and caused it to grow. The crops have been gathered in 
and he reflects and he says, well, yes, God, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. It's abundant. It's evident for all to see. And then he says, well, we have no cause for doubt. Not going forward. We can confidently go on trusting God to bless us. Because God is a God who does not change. And so he says very confidently, God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Well, we have no cause for doubt. But I want to say to us as Bethel Church this morning, do we believe that God is going to bless us as his church, that he is going to build up his church here, that his saving power is going to be made known in Otley and around? Or may God, in his graciousness to us, increase our faith as we call upon him in our prayers for that to happen. And I suppose as we ask for God to bless us and make his face shine upon us, the ultimate blessing that God shall bless us is assured uh, for all who believe in him because there is the joy and blessing that's finally to come when we are presented faultless before our Father's throne, clothed in the righteousness which is Jesus's, presented without spot and blemish, and we will spend eternity with God and Jesus in heaven and in the new earth. Well, God shall bless us. That is guaranteed for all who love and trust him. And so, that concluding verse, well, as a consequence of that, well indeed, let all the ends of the earth fear God. Let them worship him with reverence and godly fear.